0: Good morning to one and all. We appreciate the presence of so many of you here in the auditorium this morning, some who have not been able to be with us due to illnesses. But uh, we are glad that some are back. We have visitors today. We're delighted you're here. And uh, we know that there are those who are viewing the online service, and we appreciate your being a part as well. We have Barry and Mike back there, and uh, they will be coming down the aisle with study guides. Uh, The purpose of those is, first of all, to give you uh, some writing material uh, so you can take notes on the lesson. I've been uh, amazed at how many people do that. Of course, sometimes I find uh, the leftovers here in the auditorium <laughs> where you've left them, but uh, it's a proven fact that we usually remember better what we write down. And what we see, we remember better. So that's one of the reasons, or two of the reasons, that we encourage you to do this. And uh, so many of you are good to bring your Bibles with you and go back to David Lapp's line, you know, Bring your Bible, and we hope that you'll uh, have it in your hand and read it and study it with us as we work our way through the lesson this morning. We're talking about looking for a loophole today. I want you to listen to a passage and read along with us, if you will, from Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, as Jesus nears the end of the Sermon on the Mount and seems to be making the application of the material that he has presented. He says, beginning there in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What in the world is a loophole? Let's talk about that for a little while this morning. I want you to keep that particular passage in your mind. We'll come back to it further on in our study. A loophole, Webster says, is a small opening through which small firearms may be discharged. A similar opening to admit light and air to permit observation. Now, I was surprised when I looked up this word and I found those two definitions. I didn't know that the bore of a rifle barrel was a loophole. I did think about that small opening that we used to call a peephole. You know, you could only see through it with one eye and you'd put your face up there and peep through that little hole to see what was on the other side. But that's really not what we're talking about. That is the first definition given by Webster. But it's the second one that is really interesting. He says that a loophole is a means of escape. Then he elaborates on that. Especially an ambiguity or omission in the text through which the intent of the statement contract or obligation may be evaded. As in tax evasion. You ever heard of that? Tax evasion. How can I get out of paying so much income tax? I am looking for a loophole. You find from a legal standpoint those who practice law and so on, probably know this really well. But a a loophole is an omission or ambiguity in a legal document that allows the intent of the document to be evaded. Now, where I grew up, they would call that trying to get around the law. We use a lot more words than just evasion. Trying to get around, to get away with something, to avoid paying taxes or whatever. Loopholes are very, very prominent. They are clearly used in legal, business, and economic circles, and they know what they are. They're people who know how to pool things together and make connections that will help them with paying less taxes. And those are called loopholes. I want you to make with me this morning an application of that in religious circles. And even in the Lord's church, can we be guilty of looking for a loophole? In our personal lives, sometimes I think we are looking for loopholes in reference to our service to God, looking for some easier way. Make no bones about it. Jesus calls upon us to suffer and sacrifice to be willing to suffer for his cause, and to be willing even to make sacrifices for his cause. Remember that ultimate sacrifice that he made behooves us to also have the mind of service and sacrifice. And you remember those words of Jesus when he said, Anyone that would follow me let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Lord, are you really sure that it requires that kind of commitment? That kind of service? Lord, you sure that I can't get by a little easier? maybe there is some more convenient way to follow you and to serve you. I hope we'll never be guilty of thinking that way because the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us calls upon us to have that same spirit, the spirit of obedience Subjection, compliance, to do his will to the best of our abilities, knowing that we may falter, we may even fall, but we must get up, have our spirit renewed, and be willing to serve the Lord faithfully. So when you're looking for a loophole, that equals evasion, trying to evade what clearly needs to be done, what lawfully the law of God requires. And from, if you were to make the legal application, whatever the law requires, then we're to do that, to submit to it. There's lots of things, however, that are written in a very vague and general way, but God's Word is not that way. It strikes at the heart. It is direct and to the point. And it's very difficult to evade. Let me give you some biblical examples. You've heard of these. I've gone back and read the case of Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu were the sons of Aaron, and they were serving as priests under Aaron. And when Aaron died, they would have become the high priests. But you'll recall that they offered strange fire. If you go back to the book of Exodus and read of what the priests were to do, They were to take a particular type of fire and use that in the offering of sacrifices. But Nadab and Abihu refused to do that. Now, we do not know that it was just an outright refusal to say, I'm not going to do that. There are those who believe that they could have been drinking and just decided to take a shortcut or maybe didn't have their full senses about them. And so they offered what the New King James Version calls a profane fire. And there was a fire that came out from God that destroyed them. And the two other boys of Aaron Ithamar and Eleazar would take their places. But there's quite a bit said about Nadab and Abihu. Now, could it have been that they were looking for a loophole? It's too much trouble to offer that type of fire every time. Maybe they said this one is handier. It's more convenient. It's going to be easier. Won't require as much effort. But God had spoken. He had revealed his will. And in his infinite wisdom, he said, I can't let this pass. I cannot accept this kind of conduct from one who is my high priest.
1: So. He destroyed them, looking
0: for a loophole. Maybe that's what they were doing, trying to take a shortcut. Think about Naaman for a moment. He was the head of Syrian, the Syrian army, and uh, he had been involved in raids on Israel, and he had taken captive a young woman who served evidently in his household. She seems to have been a very humble and and a very dedicated person. She seemed to love her master. This man was a great military leader But when you read the account of his life in 2 Kings 5, you'll find the B-U-T word. The scripture
1: says, but he was a leper. He had leprosy.
0: And this young lady said, there is a man back in my homeland, who could
1: heal you of your leprosy.
0: So he took off and went to the king. Instead of going to the prophet, he went to the king, took him gifts and all of that. Finally, however, he ended up at the prophet's house. And the prophet didn't even have the courtesy to come out of the house and welcome him and make some big to-do about being honored by such a man as Naaman coming to see him. He sent a messenger out. And he told Naaman, go and dip seven times in the Jordan. One translation says that he was furious
1: furious
0: another passage says that he flew into a rage he was mad we used to say how the expression mad as an old wed hen i never did figure out exactly how mad an old wed hen would be but it made you realize that that's pretty mad. Now, this man was furious. He was in a rage. Remember what he said? Well, if all I've got to do is dip seven times in a river, Abanah and Farpar back home would have been much better. Not this small little dirty river called the Jordan. He was looking for a loophole. He even said, well, I thought he would come out, wave his hand over the spot, call upon his, uh, over the leprosy, and call upon his God, and I'd be healed and be on my way. Dip seven times in the Jordan.
1: What does that have to do with anything?
0: His servants began to try to reason with him and said, Why? He'd ask you to do some great thing, Naaman. You surely would have done it. What can it hurt to go dip seven times in the Jordan? I mean, that's very simple. Well, his better senses kicked them to gear. He laid aside his fear and his rage and went and submitted to what God, through the prophet, had told him. And he was made whole. But look at how he looked for a loophole. New Testament examples. Rich young ruler. You read about him in Matthew 19. Mark and Luke also give accounts of this. All three cover this story. It must, must have been very much a significant event He came inquiring of the Lord, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him to keep the commandments. He said, well, all these I've kept from my youth up. What do I like? He said, one thing, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And it is said that the young man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. I want to find a loophole, he said. I want to find a way to evade getting rid of all of my material possessions. They're too important to me. I just cannot afford to give them up. Have you ever thought about it? Something that costs you everything must be very valuable. Barry Cahoon and I were talking earlier this morning and he was telling me about the guys at work looking at the picture of a brand new pickup truck and asking him, do you have any idea how much that truck costs? And he said, not really. $112,000. Now, I don't know how many heads that truck would turn as it went back and forth up and down the street. I would be afraid to drive it because I'd be thinking somebody is going to broadside me or I'm going to do like a, somebody did up in the country yesterday and clean out a ditch line with it. But can you imagine? We don't know how much money this man had, how many possessions he had. But the Lord, knowing the fellow's heart, knew that that was the one thing that stood between him and everlasting life. But he looked for a loophole. Wasn't that what the one-talent man was doing, looking for a loophole? In Matthew 25, he even admits that he knew the nature of his master. Know you're a hard man. Know that you reap. as you've sown or reap where you haven't even sown and all all those things. He said, I know, but, you know, I, I went and digged in the earth and I've saved that talent. He admits thereby that he hadn't used it. It was understood that the talent was to be used. When it was given, that was just understood. He was looking for a loophole. The Lord said, you're a wicked, you're an unprofitable, you're a slothful, a lazy servant. Take that one talent, give it to the one with ten talents, and cast this servant out. Sad, isn't it? people will lose their souls because they've been looking for a loophole. Ananias and Sapphira, when it comes to giving, they're put in contrast with another giver, Barnabas, that you'll find described in the preceding chapter, Acts 4. And as you look at Ananias and Sapphira, it's obvious that they had a plan. Let's do this, and yet make out like we're doing a whole lot more. Instead of giving the full price, as they were intimating and implying, they kept back part of it. They lied to God about it. Never mind Peter, they lied to God about it. And as a result, they were struck dead. They were looking for a loophole to get out of giving what they were implying they were giving. So there's all kinds of situations like this in the Bible. Think about some present day loopholes. Have you ever heard anybody say the Bible can't be understood alike? Well, that's a loophole. And if in effect, that individual is saying can't be understood alike, so there's no use studying it. That gives me a good excuse or a good reason, they think, for never studying the Bible. Paul said that he wrote to the Ephesians so that they might understand the mystery of the gospel, Ephesians 5, 17. And we know that by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, Hebrews 11. We can understand what God wants us to do. Jesus, or rather the Father, in talking to the children of Israel, often said in effect, what part of thou shalt not do you not understand? Thou shalt
1: not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal and so on down the line. There were
0: also some thou shouts. It's not a problem with understanding. The problem is people are looking for loopholes. That's just too harsh, too hard. One church is as good as another loophole. So it doesn't make any difference of which church I'm a member. The Bible teaches that there is only one. There's one body, Ephesians 4 verse 4. But someone says, oh, but that says the body. It doesn't say the church. The Bible is its own best interpreter. Go back to Ephesians 1 and you will find. That the body is the church, Ephesians 1 22 and 23. The church is the body of Christ, made up of many members, Paul points out in Romans 12 and writing to the church at Corinth as well. When it comes to husbands or wives, would we say one is as good as another? When it comes to those pickup trucks or automobiles, would we say one's as good as another? I've heard men, grown men, get into arguments about whether a Ford was better than a Chevy. And some people would argue that a Dodge was better than either one. You know, you you just, people really have no difficulty. When you go to the druggist, when I go out to Michael's drugstore, and maybe I should say Michael and Denise's. But in, anyway, when you go out there, those girls that wait on me most time don't say, Now, Mr. Edward, uh, we just decided to give you another kind of medicine because one is as good as another. And that just doesn't work, does it? We all understand that. When Dad was in the hospital at St. Thomas one time. There were two women came into, two nurses came into his room, got him up, put him in a wheelchair, and whisked him off. He said they took me down a long hall. It seemed like we'd never get where we were going. Got down there, wheeled me in a room, and they were busy gathering up all their paraphernalia, and finally one of them looked at my wristband. They looked at one another, turned that wheelchair around, and took me back down the hall, brought me back up to the room. I don't know what they were doing. I said, Daddy, they had the wrong patient. One patient is not as good as another. And yet people say, why, one church is as good as another. That's a loophole the faith-only loophole. Why? Preacher, all I did to be saved was believe. The moment I believed, I was saved. And furthermore, I can't be lost. My friends, the Bible says that faith alone will not justify or save. James 2, verses 24 and 26. Faith without the works of obedience is dead. The devils believe and tremble, James said but they aren't children of God. Don't look for that faith-only loophole. Most people that believe that will tell you, oh, baptism doesn't have anything to do with salvation. They're looking for a way to evade the necessity of being immersed. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And there are countless people who say, oh, no, that's not true. That's not true. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And his words are spirit and life. We must believe him. You can talk about the good intention loophole. Oh, but I have good intentions. The smallest of deeds is better than the biggest of intentions. Good intentions, we are told or have been told in the past, is the pavement to which the road to hell is paved with. Good intentions. That's just a loophole. There are people, as we've seen in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, who are looking for a giving loophole want to see how little I can get by with. An elder in Indianapolis, Indiana, used to say, "You've heard it said, "Give until it hurts." I'm here to tell you, give till it feels good." There's a lot of us that forget the importance of having open and generous spirit, and heart to give so so as to please the Lord and as he teaches us. And that sacrifice loophole that we talked about earlier as well. How long will people be looking for loopholes? Well, let's go back and look at a couple more examples. The rich man in Luke 16 even in torment was looking for a loophole for his brothers. He said, Abraham, if you would, send Lazarus back to talk to them and tell them not to come to this horrible place.
1: And the rich man was told, if
0: they will not believe Moses, And the prophets, then they would not believe one who came from the dead. I want you to think about that just a moment. It dawned on me a few years ago as I was reading and studying, thinking about this situation. That prediction came true, didn't it? They would not believe one who came back from the dead. Think of how many of the Jews, after Jesus was raised from the dead, still rejected him, still refused to believe upon him. On into end of the book of Acts, you still have those Judaizing teachers who were still teaching that Christ really had not come. There were false uh, teachers who were going forth and denying even the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that.
1: Can you imagine
0: someone that would be so involved in trying to find a way of escape, an easier way to do it, instead of just submitting to God's will, that they would lose their soul. Now, let's go back to Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Look at the latter part of that verse. Who's going to enter the kingdom? Those who cry, Lord, Lord, no. The bottom line is, he who does the will of my Father in heaven.
1: It's the only way to get into the kingdom
0: and then to get into heaven itself. But Jesus says, on that day, there will be those who will be arguing Why, Lord, look at all these phenomenal things that we have done. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons. We've done many wonders. All in your name.
1: Jesus says, but have you done the will of my Father?
0: You can do a lot of amazing and extravagant things. But it all boils down to doing the will of the Father. Bowing your stubborn will and submission to his will. That is what is important. I want you to think about the judgment bar of Christ. I don't know how that scene's going to look. But if it is like anything today, you know, we're big on signs. You see, I love to read signs at Cracker Barrel and various other places. I'll find these signs with just the nicest little sayings on them, you know, and you you think about them and so on. Try to picture the judgment bar of Christ with this sign over it that says, all loopholes are now and forevermore closed.
1: No more loopholes.
0: No way to get around it. The truth is the truth, and whether you have done the will of my Father, that's the only thing that really matters. In view of that permanent closing of all loopholes, Why don't you take advantage of this acceptable time? Now, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Jesus denotes the urgency of following him when he says, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Time and opportunity are now yours, but in that day... That'll be gone, they'll be gone forever, along with all loopholes being closed. If you're not a New Testament Christian, we've told you that you need to believe and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Other passages teach us that we must turn from a life of sin and repentance, acknowledge Christ as the Son of God, confess him as such before men. And that is done prior to baptism, as seen in the case of the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8. But if you've been looking for a loophole, stop looking and look to the Lord. Set your affection on things that are above, not on things of this earth. Repent and be restored, if that's the need in your life. Please come if you're subject as we stand and as we sing.